want to begin with a deep theological question. Where are your shoes? Your shoes are probably in one of three places. Maybe they're hidden away in your closet. Nobody can see them. You've got them put away, tucked away. They're hidden. Maybe your shoes are out in plain sight. They're on the living room floor where you took them off when you sat down in your easy chair two nights ago. And your shoes are just out there. Or maybe your shoes are where they were intended to be. Maybe they're on your feet. Beloved, where are your sins? Your sins are probably in one of three places. Either you've got them tucked away and hidden like shoes in a closet and you you keep those sins private and secret and you've got them locked away and you're carrying them with you, but nobody knows, nobody sees. Or maybe your sins are like the shoes on the living room floor. They're out there for everybody to see. Maybe you're kind of proud, walking in open rebellion to God. Look, everybody, I'm I'm sinning and I want my sin to offend you. Do you see it? Or maybe your sins are right where they're intended to be. Forgiven and forgotten as far as the east is from the west. Where are your sins this morning? If you've got your copy of scripture with you, look with me. In Psalm 32, we're going to look at the first five verses of Psalm 32, and I want us to think seriously, personally, privately, about where are my sins. As we look at this great psalm. We begin at verse 1 and see, first of all, the blessings of forgiveness. What I want us to hear this morning out of this psalm is that God forgives. For many of us in the room, we know that intellectually. We understand the truth that God forgives. But quite often... We miss it internally. We, we get it, but we haven't yet received it. God forgives even you. Look with me first at the blessings of forgiveness. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. 
That word blessed, if you've been around church for very long, you, you've heard the, uh, the fuller understanding of that word blessed or blessed. It's one that we like to remind ourselves often of the meaning of that word. The closest translation to today's language might be happy. Blessed means peaceful joy. It is a happiness. In other words, the psalmist says, happy is the one whose transgression is forgiven. He's making a, he's making a, 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 a contrast here. Because he knows that the one whose sin is not yet forgiven has anything but happiness. The one who carries that sin that has not yet been forgiven is not blessed. Because sin always separates us from God. Do you hear that? It's key. We've got to get that or none of the rest of this makes any sense throughout the whole scripture. We have to understand sin always separates us from God. Now before we accepted Christ, we were lost in our sin. Paul says we were dead in sin. And so we definitely separated from God. Jesus came, he paid the penalty for sin. Then when we accept him and we follow him as our Lord, our sins are forgiven. We're made new creatures. And now we're right with God. But we also know that even as believers, we still sin, don't we? Sin still separates us. Oh, we're saved. We are righteous in God's eyes. But our fellowship with Him is messed up until we make it right. It's not surprising. Our human relationships are the same way. When there's when there's something in between coming in between messing up the fellowship between friends there's no happiness when they're together when something is interfering in a marriage there's 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 no happiness the same thing is true with god when we let sin interfere we miss the blessedness the blessing and so David says, blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven. Reunited, reconnected, in fellowship with God Almighty. These two verses are really incredible verses. Notice the four different references to sin. He uses different words. And they mean slightly different things, but... But look at it again. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven. Transgression is a willful disobedience. God said, here's the line, don't cross it. And we said, yeah. <laughs> transgression. Notice then he also uses the word sin. Sin is to miss the mark. It was an originally an archery term 
You've got a bullseye down there. You've got a target. And when they would shoot the arrow, if it would, I mean, not, even, not just hit the bullseye, it just wouldn't even hit the target. They scored as a sin. So when we miss the target spiritually, there is sin. He says, he says, blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity. That iniquity is a guilt that is uncared for. It's a guilt that I'm carrying around and hasn't been taken care of yet. That's my iniquity. And then he said, in whose spirit there is no deceit. Deceit may be the most difficult to define because it's the most difficult to recognize. Transgression, you know when you transgress because that's actually a choice. Sin, you know when you sin. It, you, maybe you didn't set out to, to be disobedient and rebellious against God, but you, you know when you sin. You, you know you missed the mark. That happens. You know when you're carrying that guilt inside of you. You can feel it inside but that deceit, that's the one that gets us so often because we're so quick to justify. We're so quick to, to give ourselves excuses and reasons. We're so quick to blame instead of accepting responsibility. We like to live in this ambiguous deceit we like to live not telling ourselves the truth what do we say ignorance is bliss and so he addresses four terms for sin very directly he talks about transgression sin iniquity and Deceit, But notice there are also four kinds of blessings in these two verses. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven. There is that forgiveness. God says, I no longer am going to put that in your account. That's no longer a, a deficit. We just took that out of your account. It, it's not a part of our bookkeeping for you anymore. You've been forgiven. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. The best way to understand that term covered in this context is that it is now forgotten. Set aside. Not not first on God's mind when he looks at you, when he thinks about you. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity. He counts, he doesn't count that iniquity anymore. In other words, there's some freedom. Nothing stands against us. We have freedom in that forgiveness. And then the fourth term, he says, in whose spirit there is no deceit. Some of you 
might prefer the King James Version, there is no guile. Guile is that poison. Deceit, when we lie to ourselves and we lie to others, it's just that poison that, that, that eats us up from within. But if we could just get rid of that, we could be honest with ourselves, honest with God, real with Him and receive His forgiveness, then we don't have that deceit and that guile. In other words, we've got freshness. So when He talks about transgression, there is forgiveness. When He talks about sin, there is a forgotten sin. When he talks about iniquity, there can be freedom. When he talks about deceit, there can be a freshness. Regardless of what form our sin takes, we can have the blessing of a complete and total forgiveness. The blessings of forgiveness. Notice next, the need for forgiveness. Our need for forgiveness. Now the psalmist moves into a personal testimony. Testimonies are so powerful, aren't they? We share our personal stories with one another because it's in the story that we learn, that we connect, that, that it becomes real to us. And the, the psalmist now gives us his testimony. Hear him speak in verse 3. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away. Through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. Can you hear the need for forgiveness? He said, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away. When he kept silent, in other words, he had not yet confessed his sin. He was trying to hide it in the closet and keep it away from from view, so maybe even God wouldn't notice. He was deceiving himself. As long as he kept silent about his sin, no confession, what was happening? The strongest parts of him were decaying. The bones. He said, my bones were decaying. The strongest parts of his body, the innermost being is just decaying from within. As long as we let that sin sit silently, it's destroying us from the inside out. He said, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. Isn't it interesting that being silent about confession, he now groans in sorrow because he wouldn't be honest with self and with God. He is groaning in his sorrow. Verse 4 is interesting, isn't it? For day and night your hand was heavy on me. Some of you have been there where you know that sin is ruling your life that sin is inside, eating you up from the inside out, and you're not doing anything about it. And because God loves you, he puts his heavy hand on you, and you can feel it. You can feel God. You remember when you were a kid, you were in church, misbehaving? All of a sudden, you felt mama's hand on your shoulder. Some of you feel that every day as God is saying, come on, wake up. 
The psalmist said, I kept my sin hidden. I kept it silent. It was eating me up. And I could just feel God's heavy hand on me. Spurgeon, brilliant preacher, author, when he looked at this text, he made an interesting statement. He said it would be better to have the world on your shoulder like Atlas than to have the hand of God on your heart like David. There is a need for forgiveness. I don't want to stretch the illustration too far, but in some ways, we might say that sin, unforgiven sin, is worse than cancer. Because it not only attacks the body, it also attacks the soul. That heavy hand of God is saying, let's get it right. There's a need for forgiveness. And then let's look at the means of forgiveness. It's great to know that there are the blessings of forgiveness. I recognize the need for forgiveness. So now what do I do? How do I get it? Verse 5. I acknowledged my sin to you. I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And look, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. He continues his testimony and he says, I've lived it. I have felt the hand of God on me. I have carried the weight of unforgiven sin. But then I confessed. I was honest with myself and with God. The word, when we talk about confession in the scriptures, what we're talking about is simply agreeing with God. Understand something about confession. You are never going to shock or surprise God with a confession. He knows. He's just waiting on you to be honest. To agree with him about your sin. And David said, when I finally got that right... I stopped being silent. I stopped hiding. I confessed. David says, I found forgiveness. And I can stand before you today saying that I have found the same thing to be true. When I've confessed, my God who is faithful and just has always been there to forgive. Proverbs 28 and verse 13 reminds us, whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. Likewise, in the New Testament, there is that verse to which I've already referred a couple of times, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all. Would you just say all? He, has, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from 
all unrighteousness. Even that nasty, dirty, gross stuff that you've been hiding and carrying for so many years, he is faithful and just to forgive all unrighteousness. The means to experience that is confession. And then let me show you with great joy the totality of forgiveness. The totality of forgiveness. Because when God forgives, He doesn't just forgive a little. You and I are guilty of that. We do that to each other. You offend me, then I say, okay, I'll, I'll forgive this much, but I'm going to hold on to this much. When God forgives, he forgives. What, did that, what was that word we just said? All unrighteousness. Isaiah chapter 38 and verse 17. Behold, it was for my welfare that I had great bitterness. God's heavy hand was on me so that I would finally recognize my need to confess. It was for my welfare that I had great bitterness. Look, but in love, you have delivered my life from the pit of destruction, for you have cast out all my sins behind your back. Anybody really honestly have eyes in the back of your head? Come on, mamas. You don't really. You just know more than your kids know, so they think you have eyes in the back of your head. When this says God took my sin and cast it behind his back, it's not literal, but it's a figurative way of saying he no longer looks at it. It's behind him. Micah chapter 7 and verse 19 says he will gain he will again have compassion on us he will tread our iniquities underfoot you will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea when we confess we're honest with self honest with god we repent we move away from that sin when we're willing to confess and repent of sin, God stamps it out and casts it into the depths of the sea. A preacher a long time ago said after God throws it into the depths of the sea, he posts a sign that says no fishing. Psalm 103 and verse 12, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. Beloved, I wish that you and I could fully understand that. We still don't really completely get that. As far as the heavens are above the, the, the earth, that's the greatness of his love for us. And as far as the east is from the west, how far is that? They never meet. That's the point. No matter how far east you go, there's always a west yonder. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove 
our transgressions from us. There is a totality of forgiveness. Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 12. For I will be merciful toward their iniquities. I will remember their sins no more. When he forgives, he forgives all. Ron Lee Davis wrote a book called A Forgiving God in an Unforgiving World. In that book, he told the story, true story, of a priest in the Philippines, a much-loved man of God, but he carried the guilt, the burden of a secret sin that he had committed many, many years before. Long time ago, he did something wrong, and he, he felt guilty about it his whole adult life. He had repented, but he still had no peace. He didn't have a sense of God's forgiveness. In his parish there in the Philippines was a woman who deeply loved God. She claimed that she had visions in which she spoke with Christ, and he spoke to her. The priest was a little bit skeptical. So to test her, he said, you know what? The next time you speak to Christ, I want you to ask him what sin your priest committed while he was in seminary, thinking if she comes back and knows the secret, then that really was Christ in her dreams. The woman agreed, and a few days later, the priest said, well, did Christ visit you in your dreams? Yes, he did, she replied. And did you ask him what sin I committed in seminary? Yes. Well, what did he say? She says, Christ said, I don't remember. That's the totality of forgiveness. When God forgives, he throws it behind him. He throws it as far as the east is from the west from us. He tramples it underfoot. He throws it into the depths of the sea. And he forgets it. That's hard for us to understand. I think many of us might tell the story that Morgan Cryer told in his song that he released 20 years ago. His song, his testimony sounds like mine and so many of yours. It happened so long ago I cried out for mercy back then. I pled the blood of Jesus, begged him to forgive my sin, but I still can't forget it. It just won't go away. So I wept again, Lord, wash my sin. But all I heard him say, what sin? What sin? Well, that's as far away as the east is from the west. What sin? It was gone the very minute you confessed, buried in the sea of forgetfulness. The heaviest thing you'll carry is a load of guilt and shame. You were never meant to bear them, so let them go in Jesus' name. Our God is slow to anger, quick to forgive our sin, so let him put them under the blood 
and don't bring them up again. So here's my question for you. Where are your sins? Are they hidden away inside deep secrets? Deceiving yourself? Faking it from God and others? Are they out there for the world to see as you proclaim your rebellion against a holy God? Or are your sins where they are intended to be? Forgiven, forgotten in the past. As far as the east is from the west. Where are your sins this morning? What sin is there in your life that's keeping you from being like Jesus? What sin is there that you have yet to confess so it's not forgiven? You haven't confessed it. You're still still living in it. What is that sin that acts like a barrier between you and God? What sin is in your life that won't allow you to be all God intends you to be? Why not just let that sin go? He forgives And he forgives in totality. God is gracious. He's slow to anger. And friends, he loves you. He demonstrated his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He wants to forgive. He wants to set you free. This morning, we're going to do things a little bit differently. We're going to declare that this altar right here is holy ground. And this has absolutely nothing to do with church membership this morning. But I'm going to ask you, if you, is there a sin that you know that you need to confess? You've been hiding it, secret, not dealing with it. Would you come to the altar? Nobody's going to talk to you. No counselors are going to come around you. But would you come to the altar and humbly confess that before an almighty God and leave it here someone else you've confessed your sin you've repented which means you've stopped it and yet you're still carrying the guilt of it you can't forget it even though the only holy one has you're still carrying it would you come to the altar and ask for healing to be set free from that guilt I'm going to call you let's stand together If God's calling you to do business with Him, to confess a sin, to repent from sin, to get get that fellowship right with Him, to leave the guilt and the guile behind, come to the altar. This is holy ground, and you're welcome to kneel and come and pray and, and stand and whatever God calls you to do, raise your hand. Come to the altar and let God forgive you. Come to the altar and find freedom. Come to the altar, find peace. Come to grace. Come to mercy. This is holy ground. Let's go.